Good morning. For those who don't know me, my name is Derek. It's great to see you this morning. And if you like fishing, today is your day. Um, I'm not such a fan of fishing. Uh, my very first time fishing was my freshman year of high school. And um, my dad thought it would be a good idea to take uh, me and my brother out fishing. He's not really big into fishing either, but he figured we should learn. So we went down to this, we went down to this lake. It was one of those pre-stocked lakes where they, you, they put all the fish in and everyone catches stuff and you just pay for what you catch kind of a deal. And so we went down and it took us a while to get organized and it's kind of boring because we weren't catching anything. And then finally my dad caught a fish. It was very exciting. He brings a fish in. And then uh, not too, too long after that, my, brother, my little brother, who's three grades younger, my sixth grade brother, uh, catches, a, uh, catches a fish as well. I would have loved if I would have caught the first fish as the older brother, but he caught the fish and I had to deal with that. So um, he was all excited and gloating a little bit. And then my dad uh, caught another fish. So I figure, oh man, it's, you know, my, the time is right. It's my turn. And, um, and I got nothing. And then my brother catches a second fish. Now at this point, there's just way too much joy in, in the circle, and I, I, have to, I have to get out of it. So I had, I had my fishing rod, and I was kind of disgusted at the whole situation. And so what I did was I just started to walk along with my fishing rod, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to throw this out, you know, and I, and I slung it out there. And... Um, and I was just walking along, like literally just kind of like this, um, and, I, and not really thinking much about it. And I got, I don't know, a couple hundred feet away from um, my dad and my brother, and all of a sudden I feel this giant, oh, I feel this huge tug on the line, and, um, and I'm, it almost pulled me into the, into the lake. So I'm, now I'm reeling, and I'm trying to you know, fight with this fish, and I start screaming for my dad. I'm like, Dad, Dad, come on over. I caught a, I caught a huge fish. I need your help. And I'm, I'm somewhat freaking out. It wasn't like the most manly moment of my ninth grade year. And, um, and so he, he wants me to do it myself. And, and so he's not helping me, which isn't helpful for me in that moment. And I'm, I'm starting to, you know, I'm like, come on, I need your help. This is so hard, you know. And so I'm fighting this fish and fighting this fish, and it's taking forever. And then finally, the big moment where the fish is getting close, I can just feel it, sense it, haven't seen it yet. And I pull this giant fish out of the water, I pull it up. And dangling on the end of my fish line is a fish about the size of an iPhone 5. Much to the delight of my younger brother, who thought it was absolutely awesome. In fact, at the lake, there was like a size and weight limit where if you caught something that small, you had to throw it back into the water. And so when I, when I think about why I hate fishing to this day, I think that it actually stems back to that memory of fishing. Because the thing for me is like, I just, fishing for me is so boring. And I think the reason it's so boring is because I'm not good at it. And so I don't catch anything. And I just sit there all day just looking at the water and not catching anything. I, I need some more excitement. Is anybody with me? More excitement, you know, than just the, the boring fishing experiences that I've had. So my version of exciting fishing, like I could get into something like this. I, I, I don't know what in the world is going on in this picture. I have no idea why the fish are doing that. But that's cool. Like, I could, I could get out a net or, or, I don't know, something, and I could have some fun. I want to fish that way. 
Not, not the other way. Or let's take a look at this next one. Again, I don't know. I mean, like, what is in that guy's mind right now? Like, what is he doing? Um, I, don't, I don't know if he, like, caught that with some other instrument and then just went and kind of just wanted to grab it and pose for the picture. Or if he wrestled that fish with his bare hands out of some little mud hole or something. I don't know. But here's the thing. I could actually get into that kind of fishing because you're not bored. Like, can we be, I mean, whether you like fishing or not, that's not boring fishing. You're getting a pretty good workout, I think, if you're, if you're hauling that kind of fish around. Or how about this next one? I, I could also do this. Now, there's some things that only happen in Australia. Like, when you trace back bizarre photos, it's like, it's always from Australia. So, this was some sort of a fishing competition, and these guys decided, who cares if we don't have a boat? Let's just go ahead and do this anyway. Now, I don't really care if they caught anything or not. I want to be in that car. I just do. I, w- I want to know how did it work? What was the thought process of these guys? How do they get it in? How are we going to get the, the, the car slash boat out? I mean, that's awesome. That, I, would, I would do that kind of fishing. But the ultimate kind of fishing, I think, the ultimate is this next slide here. Now, how sweet is that? That is the kind of fishing... I can get on board with. You're in a tropical paradise, you're jumping off of some cool rock, and you're spearing a fish as you land in the water. Supposedly this is a National Geographic photo. I don't know if it's real or doctored or whatever, but it sounds cool, it looks cool to me. So, um, because that is exciting fishing right there. And today we are gonna look at a very exciting fishing story in the Bible. It's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, in the New Testament. This is the physician Luke who wrote about the life of Jesus. And in the fifth chapter, he captures this story. And there's three main um, men who are in the story besides Jesus, and that's Peter, James, and John. These were all men who had come to follow Jesus. Peter, James, and John had a fishing business together. They were partners. And Peter really is, is the leader. You see this if you're familiar with the Bible. If you grew up in church, you know that Peter became the leader of, of the disciples. And he's very outspoken. He's very bold. And so he gets a lot of airtime in the New Testament. And so we, we love to pick on Peter because he's constantly putting his foot in his mouth. He's constantly doing things and just messing up. Like he's kind of the case study on like what not to do as a follower of Jesus. And so we have so much fun at Peter's expense. Peter, you know, he tries to walk on water with Jesus and he fails, he sinks. You know, he, Peter, Jesus gets arrested and Peter pulls out a sword and tries to cut the guy's head off and the, and the soldier turns like this and he just gets the guy's ear and then Jesus is like, oh, Peter, come on, man. Like, seriously, now I gotta like fix the guy's ear and do another miracle, you know. And then, and then you've got Peter most famously denying Jesus three times right after he basically said he would never deny Jesus. I mean, so we just love to pick on Peter. But here in this story, Peter actually gets it right. In fact, he has this exchange with Jesus. And there's three things in this exchange that we see that Peter does that we can learn from because really there's three qualities there that make Peter a great servant of God. And so if you, one of your things you'd like to be is 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 a great servant of God and you want God to work in your life and utilize you for great things, then really this is a great case study for you. So we pick it up, uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gesenaret, which is also known more commonly as the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. 
He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Now, Simon was Peter's name before Jesus gave him the nickname Peter. All right, so this was his given name. So he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, known as Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Very practical. Jesus is, is just getting too crowded. It's people are having trouble seeing and hearing. So Pe- Jesus just puts out a little bit out onto the water, and then everyone can hear better and everyone can see better. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now that is some exciting fishing right there. And um, I told you there's three things we see that Peter does. The first one is that Peter was willing. Peter was willing. I, I love Peter's response to Jesus' outlandish request. Because here's the thing that Peter knows. Peter knows that there's no fish out there. He's been fishing all night long and he hasn't caught anything. The other thing that Peter knows is that now that the sun's come up and the day has begun, this isn't the time to catch fish. The time to catch fish is in the wee hours of the morning. That's when the fish are biting. And so he knows that this is a fruitless thing. He also knows, I love how he says, he refers to Jesus as master. Because what he also knows is that Jesus may be a master rabbi, And he may well be a master teacher and storyteller and these crowds of people are gathering. And he may well be a master carpenter, which was his trade. But there's one thing that Peter's pretty sure Jesus wasn't, and that was a master fisherman. And yet, he says these amazing words that I just love. Some of my favorite words in the New Testament. He says, but because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. Those are incredibly powerful words that we can apply in our faith, in our relationship with God. They're very powerful for me. I'll tell you a story. When I was um, in my early 20s, I'd been away from church for about six years and really gone to a place of real skepticism and agnosticism, kind of way away from growing up in church and and that sort of stuff. And uh, my girlfriend invited me to this church very much like Grace. And um, and so I started to go to the church and it was really my first hard look at Christianity. And I remember exploring this and lots of questions and everything, but it's somewhere along the, the way, I was challenged deeply with this notion of saying, you may not understand everything, you may still have a lot of questions and objections, but what if you took those six words, because you say so, I will, and what if you just applied those to whatever Jesus teaches? And just try and figure out, just do it, and see if there's something to this or not. See what happens. Maybe that'll be the proof that you need. And I I just want to tell you, that was one of the most formative incredible times of my life. It was actually one of the things that led me 
to faith and belief in Jesus, actually not just as some teacher or some prophet, but as the son of God, uh, because as actually through seeing what applying his teachings and his practices did to my life. And I just want to encourage you, if you are here this morning and you're just checking out Christianity, um, you're not in a place where you'd say that you necessarily believe everything, um, I want to challenge you to take a 30-day challenge. And the 30-day challenge is this. For the next 30 days, put aside your questions and your doubts and all that kind of stuff, and simply read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and where Jesus teaches something, just do it. Just say, because you say so, Jesus, I will. Just because you say so, for 30 days. And see what might happen. You might find it's the greatest litmus test you've ever had for Christianity. If you're here this morning and you just feel stuck in your faith, you feel stalled out, you're, you, know, you, just, you just feel like, man, I don't know, I'm just not going anywhere anymore in this. Like, and, and you know if I'm speaking to you right now, um, if that's you, same challenge. 30 days, would you just kind of, whatever's going on, whatever caused you to kind of feel that way or what have you, for the next 30 days, would you consider just saying, okay, because you say so, I will. Whatever Jesus is teaching, just because you say so, I will. Just do it. 30 days and see what happens to you during that period of time. Now, if you're here this morning and you're like, well, I do believe and I'm not stuck. Everything is going great in my relationship with God. I want to give you a challenge as well. And, and this, we'll see if you're willing on this one. But typically, this is how it works for me. I feel very willing in my relationship with God. And just about every area of my life, I have this, or I try to have this, because you say so, I will mentality with God. But if I'm going to be really honest, there's usually like one area that I'm a little reluctant, I'm a little hesitant to do the because you say so, I will in that area. And I want to challenge you, if you're here today and everything's going pretty well in your faith, how about for the next 30 days, giving God that area that, that you're kind of a little bit reluctant to, to, to give over, that you'd give God access to all areas, all facets of your life, and just simply say, okay, God, for the next 30 days, because you say so, I will. Just 30 days and see what happens. See what God might do. So that's the first one. Peter was willing. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So the second quality we see here is that Peter was humble. Peter was humble. You know, he's very well known for being outspoken, uh, at times for being so bold and, and almost overconfident. And that's true about Peter. But when Peter was in the presence of greatness, when he recognized he was in the presence of a divine moment, okay, he was humble. He recognized, I am not, I, 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 he had to hit his knees in that moment. Humility is an essential quality that we must embody if we're going to be great servants of God. And what's great about this quality is this is an essential aspect of Christianity. In fact, if you want to boil Christianity down and just put it to one main idea, here it is. Christianity, and this is what Jesus teaches us, is that 
Unlike all these other different uh, ideas and philosophies and religions that are out there, including, including relig- uh, Christianity when it's, when it's posed wrong, there's actually not like a bunch of steps that you can take or a whole bunch of things you can do. You can't work or earn your way to equal status with God, where you'd be worthy of this uh, you know, eternal relationship with God, this enlightenment, heaven, whatever you want to call, whatever you refer to it. You can't. In fact, Jesus says it's only when you recognize that you don't measure up to God's level. We're not on the same level as almighty, holy, perfect God. We are flawed, imperfect creatures. That we simply, in humility, hit our knees the way Peter did and say we can't, we can't get there on our own. We just simply can't. It's actually not what we do. This is what Christianity is. It's not what we do. It's what's been done. It's not what we do. It's not anything we do. It's what Jesus has done for us. It's his loving sacrifice that brings us into a relationship with God. And here's the most amazing thing about that. This is why this is so great when we want to serve and love other people. It's because when we grasp that, when we fully grasp what what God has done for us, we have this incredible joy knowing we are loved so deeply by God, that God did this for us. But at the same time, we have this joy and this hope and this confidence in that. At the same time, we can't get all prideful. We're, we're humbled by the fact that it didn't have anything to do with all this good behavior or how often we read our Bible or prayed or went to church. Nothing to do with that. It's what Jesus did for us. And so where that leaves us is we're deeply loved by God, but we're no better than anybody else who's walking around on this planet. And it enables us to serve people in such a beautiful and extraordinary way. Continuing in verse 10, it says, Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Peter was willing. Peter was humble. And ultimately, Peter went. He went. Now, you might be saying, well, shoot, at this point, this is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, his boat's practically sunk anyway, right? Um, I mean, he's seen the most extraordinary, unbelievable thing he's ever seen in all of his life of fishing. And then, basically, Jesus turns to him, and now I'm, I'm embellishing a little bit and paraphrasing, but Jesus is basically saying, so wait, guys, seriously, you think that was cool? Like, you think filling a whole boat with a bunch of slimy, smelly fish was awesome? Seriously? I mean, that's the ultimate for you? You ain't seen nothing yet, guys. Come and follow me. We are going to impact people. We're going to do something so extraordinary, it's going to blow your mind. See, as much as these guys love fishing, and I'm sure they did, but I believe there was something much deeper that was a longing down deep in these men that we all actually share with them. And that was that they longed to be part of something great. They longed for their lives to truly matter, to impact this world in an incredible way. They longed for something of lasting significance. And so Jesus, in that moment, he simply invited them in. He said, I mean, this is cool. 
The fish, that's cool. But we are going to provide the greatest gift to humanity that humanity can ever know, and that's introduce people to the love of God. And so they went. They went in search of the ultimate meaning and significance in their life. I've had a similar quest in my life to find that thing that is of ultimate meaning and significance. And really, as it, as it comes down to professional goals, I've just had one. And that goal was to find the job that I truly love and then to go do that, because then it won't really be a job at that point. And it, it always had to do with significance and meaning and impact. And so I graduated from college um, as a business major, and I went into business consulting, and I thought that helping companies, I was in change management, and helping companies navigate change that would be the ultimate because I had business, good business skills and knowledge, but I also had a real love for people. And so that was like the, the dream. And I did that for a while, but I realized as much as I had hoped it would just ultimately make this incredible difference, uh, I found that it just wasn't making the kind of impact that I wanted. And, and it just wasn't having the lasting effect. And I found that I wasn't making that difference that I really longed to make. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to try the nonprofit sector. And so I brought me out to D.C., and uh, I, I, I took a job with a national network of boarding schools and children's homes for uh, children who had been abused, neglected, and abandoned. And um, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. I'd meet these kids and be a part of these programs, and these were kids that had the hardest lives you could possibly imagine. And to see them come into a stable, loving home environment, and to see their grades get back on track, see their behavior get back on track, their life get back on track. It was just incredible. But as cool as that was to, to experience that, what was even cooler was going to the faith-based programs, the Christian programs, where children were not only given a loving, stable home environment, but they were introduced to the God who loves them. And for many of these kids... This was the first time in their life that they'd ever experienced the unconditional love of someone else. And you guys, it was so transforming. I'm not saying they didn't still have issues and things that they were dealing with, and you know, it was not perfect. But seeing these kids come to know that how much God loves them and seeing them have peace for the first time in their life, seeing them be able to forgive their perpetrators, to be able to make peace with their past, was absolutely awesome. Awesome. Because what I realized is, you know, you can get a great diploma from someplace and then the reputation gets tarnished somehow. You can get a great job, but you can lose it. You can meet your dream person and then it doesn't work out. There's all these things that can happen in your life and they get taken away from you. But there's one thing that can never be taken away. And that is when you come to understand that there is a God who made you and who loves you and is absolutely crazy about you and has a plan for your life and wants the best for you, that can never be taken away from you. And so I realized I want to give my life to that. 
I want to give my life. That to me is like the greatest gift you could give another human being, introducing them to the God who loves them. And so that's why I absolutely love working here at this church. I love it because the church, you see, the church holds the greatest message that has ever been spoken in this world. The greatest message, bar none. And as awesome as that is, you want to know something that'll just kind of blow your mind a little bit? So the church has the greatest message, but you know who the messengers are, right? You do know who the messengers are. Do you guys? Yeah, it's crazy, right? But it's actually, it's all of us. It's not just if you have a microphone or an instrument in your hand. It's all of us. The church. The church is everyone who's a part of the community. And so we all play a role in that. Um, if you're just here this morning, just to smile, uh, saying hello to somebody, you're playing a role. You are. in the greatest message going forth in this world. But I want to tell you, there is a group of people here that play an extra special role. They play an even more vital role. And that is every single person at Grace Community Church that serves in one capacity or another. And every single one of those people working all together is what spreads this incredible message. So I want to just try and highlight it for you. I'm going to just run quickly through all of our teams here at Grace. So it starts at 7 o'clock Sunday morning, which was brutal with the hour time change. Let me tell you, this morning, as you all know, at 7 o'clock, our bleary-eyed setup team walked in here, and basically they kick everything off. Without them, nothing else happens, Okay. Shortly after that, our sign team comes and they put up all the exterior signs that point the way, which is especially helpful if you're a new person trying to find out which entrance do I go to here. Then we have our parking and our parking team and our shuttle drivers. Now, these two teams are the very first faces that a new person will see when they try and come to Grace Community Church. So they are literally the very first human impression of this church for those who come. Our greeters, escort team, newcomers, Graceland check-in, and our ushers all work together to set the tone and to create that warm welcome for us as we come in. Our security and our special response teams work together to make sure that everyone is safe and secure here. Our hospitality team provides that vital cup of coffee. And let me tell you something. There are many of you, and without that cup of coffee, you are nowhere close to Jesus, okay? I mean, I hope you thank that team on a regular basis, because they put us in the right frame of mind to even be awake right now to hear the message. Our sound team, lighting, visual, music, and communion teams all work together to create the environment that is conducive for people connecting with God. Our Graceland, Formula 56, and 930 Club teams, they work to make sure that our children and our teenagers get to have that same experience of God's love that we have as adults. Our community group leaders, and there are many of them, some groups meet on Sundays right here in the classrooms at TJ's and other ones during the week, but they really are the community builders here at Grace. 
that help this big church to feel not so big as we share life together and prayer concerns and, and really do community together. Our prayer team, which prays right over on this wall, they'll be doing so again at the, at the close of this service. Our prayer team handles all sorts of sensitive requests and petitions God on our behalf. Our special events team does fun stuff like Father's Day when we're riding mechanical bulls outside and food trucks and a big celebration that we're doing today for anyone who signs up for a volunteer team. We've got a special, they've completely revamped the cafeteria area downstairs here at TJ and, um, and we're having a party just to celebrate those who sign up. So that's what our special events team does. Our video team, and they're working right now, they record this service, so when you're out of town or you can't make it into the auditorium, you can tune in online and check it out. Our follow-up team sends little personal notes to those who came for the first time to give them a little extra touch of God's love. Our VIP cafe team, they provide the fuel, the food and the drink for all of our volunteers who are serving on a Sunday morning so they have the energy necessary to complete the task. And then finally... Our breakdown team, they close everything down and they better do it right, otherwise we're not getting invited back next week. So um, th those are all of our teams and they all play a role in the church being the church and this extraordinary message going forth. Now, all those teams are vital, but they're especially vital when you're talking about a church for people who don't go to church. We did a survey about six weeks ago Many of you took that survey. What we found from that survey was that 40% of Grace Community Church, 40% self-identified as either, I have never been to church ever, never in my life before Grace, completely unchurched, or I have not been to Grace since I was younger. Okay, this is my first church coming back, trying to re-explore the faith. Now, those of you who are, 40% of you in this room right now, you know that when you're coming back and you're checking out this church for the first time and you're walking in, you know you got one foot out the door, don't you? You got one foot in, but you got one foot out. And what are you looking for? You're looking for anything weird, aren't you? You're looking for, you're looking for anything that smells funky or feels funky. You are. You're, you're basically saying, anything gets, gets hokey around here, I'm out. That's why you sit on the sides, right? You sit right by the exit row. I see you. I see you guys, okay? That's where I like to sit too. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to get funky either, okay? Um, so you get an easy out. If you need to, you can slip out. And so think about it. The stakes are so high, you guys. And so it, if you run into a bunch of weirdos in the lobby, you're out. That's just it, right? Let's just be honest. So we all play a role in this incredible message, but the reality is we're all involved in it. So I'm just going to share with you a little story. So I happened to meet this, uh, this young woman who has been coming to Grace just for a couple of months, a few months now. And um, she told me her story. And I asked if I could share it. And she said, if you keep it anonymous, you can share. So I said, okay. So um, she had grown up going to church when she was little, but long time away from church, and just a tough life, you know, just a really tough life, a lot of adversity, and a bad, bad church experience, really turned off, not interested in the church at all, but hit, had a rock bottom time in her life, 
uh, not too long ago. And so her mom had been nudging her, you know, try church, give it a try, give it a try, you know, you should check it out. And so finally at her mom's nudging, she goes and she Googles and she finds this church for people who don't go to church. And she says, okay, fine, that sounds interesting, I'll check that out. And in her words, and I quote, it was my last ditch effort. One last shot. She said she pulled up and it was in a school and she thought that was weird. (laughs) And so she actually just kind of sat there in her car and she just was surveying the scene and she saw the parking team and they had these vests on and they seemed organized. It seemed like a well-run operation. It didn't seem like some hokey fly-by-night, scary, cultish thing, okay? It seemed normal. So she's like, okay. So she went. Okay, parking team, big deal. So she went in and she met our greeters team and our ushers and our hospitality folks and saw all the different volunteers. And she said that so many people were so extraordinarily friendly, but not in like a weird cultish, like I want to recruit you, come here, let me hug you. It wasn't like that, okay? It was a genuine humble, joyful, sincere welcome. We're just glad you're here. You seem like one of us. Just come on in. It's cool. And she said that that made such an impression on her. And I quote her. She said, maybe I can meet God here. Is that powerful? Think about if you've had a moment where you've been that far. Maybe I can meet God here. She said she came into the auditorium The ushers were super great. She said the music was great, but check this out. She said, but it was the people that made me ready to connect with God. I want to say that again so that can sink in. The music was great, but it was the people who made me ready to connect with God. Did you catch that? That That's you guys. That's our volunteer teams. Okay, that's everyone playing a role in this amazing message. This is my favorite thing she said. She said, my life wasn't changed by a sermon or a Bible verse. Now that's polite code for the sermon was terrible that day. (laughs) She's talking to me. She doesn't want to offend me. I'm sure it must have been our lead pastor, John, who was preaching that Sunday. Uh, Just kidding. But she said... So my life wasn't changed by a sermon or a Bible verse, but it was from people, I love this, it was from people genuinely, sincerely giving me their hearts. And as a result of this, as a result of the church being the church, not only did she reconnect with God, not only is she regularly coming to church here at Grace now, But check this out. This is what she said. She said, but this experience inspired me to live differently. Now, you got to understand, she is extremely introverted. So you introverts, you'll get this, okay, and how, how amazing this is. She says, now, because of my experience at Grace and how touched I was, she says, now I go out of my way to say hi to people. That's huge. I go out of my way to help people, and I go out of my way to practice random acts of love and kindness. This 
is a life transformed, and you can feel free to clap if you're excited about that like I am, because that's awesome. So we're going to close out a couple minutes early to give you guys a chance to take some action this morning. But what I want to say is, in case you just recovered your hour of sleep because you just woke back up with the clapping, okay? I'm going to give you the abridged 15 seconds of the message, okay? All in one. So this is just for you. It's my little gift to you on Daylight Savings Sunday, all right? The church holds the greatest message that the world will ever know. And that is that there is a God who loves every single person on this planet. And we, my friends, we are the messengers. And that's just the way it is. If that makes you squirm, I'm sorry, all right? But that's just the way it is. Now, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. I want to challenge every single person in this room to go and sign up for one of our teams to play a vital role in this message being spread. If you're here this morning and you're not on one of our volunteer teams, today is your day. This is a beautiful day. You've got the teams laid out. We've got insert in the bulletin. We've got sign-up tables right out in the lobby just past the, the main foyer. If you're here this morning and you signed up for a team a while ago and it just wasn't the right team for you, it just, you just didn't gel, didn't connect, whatever, today is your day. Go sign up for a different team, okay? Your current team leader would love to know that you have found a team that you're excited about, okay? I promise you that. No guilt at all. Maybe you're here and you signed up for a team a while ago and you just, just you know, life got in the way and things fizzled out and gosh, you still get the emails and you wish you could unsubscribe without actually emailing back because that's really awkward. Okay, here's what, here's what I want you But you know it's actually a good team. I mean, that's your team. That's your fit. You don't need a different team. Here's what I want you to do. As a, act, as a demonstration of your commitment today, okay, go and sign up for that team again. And that is a beautiful little signal to your team leader. I'm back in. I'm all in. Okay? I'm all in. I'm recommitting. I'm reconnecting. Now, for anyone who signs up for a team who's never been on a team, you sign up for a new team because you need a, a better fit, or you just recommit. You've kind of, you know, you've gone away and now you're recommitting. Anyone who does that, quote, new volunteers, any of those three groups, we, we want to, to celebrate with you. We have a little uh, card game called Twisted Fish we want to give you in honor of today. It's a great little game. And we want to uh, invite you to head downstairs where we have a little party going on. Our special events team has done a great job. I'm going to be down there. I just want to celebrate with you. I want to shake your hand. And we're just going to see what God might do in and through this church. So... Um, by the way, if you are uh, watching or listening online, you can just go to trygrace.org and you can click on serve and you can sign up for our teams there as well. So if you're here, last thing I'm going to say, if you're here and uh, maybe in this moment you're like, okay, Derek, that's great. And you know, you're all excited and you kind of got me half inspired uh, to, to go do this and maybe I will, but you just don't know my schedule. You just don't appreciate all the things that I have going on in my life right now. Just the logistics alone would take 10 minutes to explain to you. I just can't do this right now. Um, you got to understand, okay? Here's what I want to say to you. I think maybe you're feeling like Peter felt in that moment. When Jesus said, just put out the nets in deep water, you're just kind of like, oh man, seriously, it's like the last thing. It's the last thing I can do. 
this may be your because you say so, I will moment. And I just don't want you to miss, okay? This is not about getting more people onto teams. It's not like we have all these gaps and like these teams are falling apart, okay? We have great teams, healthy, vibrant teams with committed people. We're not doing this out of need. The reason that we're doing this is because I don't want you to miss out on the thrill of seeing God move in your life. The thrill of God working in you and through you to accomplish something that would just blow your mind. I like that, amen. That's good. (laughs) So don't let those hesitations stop you from seeing God do something amazing in your life. Because it starts with being willing. All right. So one last piece of information. If you are a current volunteer um, and you're, you're serving and you're happily serving, you're like, wait, I don't get to go down to the party? We, the food truck outside, that Go Fish food truck, you can go party out there, okay? So that's, that's for you guys if you, if you want to go do that, okay? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go. We're going to go sign up, and we're going to do something cool, all right? Lord God, uh, we thank you for how you call us. Um, and, and we're just um, so grateful that we have the opportunity to be a part of something truly meaningful, truly significant, truly extraordinary in this world. It blows my mind that we all, through big and small gestures, acts of kindness, smiles, whatever, we get to play a role in the greatest message that this world will ever know. So help us all to know what that looks like for us, where we plug in, and just send us out, God. We want to do great things for you. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.